Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Entrepreneurial Podcast with your host, Jeff Lopes. Jeff has over two decades experience as a serial entrepreneur, building brands like KimuraWare from his home basement to a multi-million dollar global brand that has sold over a quarter million pairs of boxing gloves. Jeff's here to educate, guide, and drive you on the process of bringing your ideas and dreams to reality with the inspiring stories from some of the top business minds. Welcome to episode number 133 of the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today, Dan Holloway. Dan is the co-host of Drinking Bros Podcast, an American party podcast. Incredible interview. Such a great conversation. Tons and tons of value out of this podcast. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today, Dan Holloway. What is up, brother? Uh, you know, just living the dream, enjoying the nice Austin weather today. It's probably humid outside, actually. I don't know. I haven't been out there yet, but we'll see. That it looks nice from my window, so I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. Dan is uh, the host of a few shows, but I want to start off with kind of getting to know Dan from a more of an intimate level. Like, where'd you grow up? How many siblings you have? How was your childhood? Sports? Anything you did in the start bringing up and how how it led you into the military? Let's start with that. Growing up. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in uh, South Carolina near Clemson University, actually. Um, uh, I would say my childhood was not great. Uh, my dad was kind of a piece of sh- piece of shit. But he was, you know, despite the the tension in our relationship over the years, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a, a culture thing or, or, or conditioning or whatever it is, but I, a lot of the things that he enjoyed uh, I came to enjoy as well. A big baseball fan. I've been a Braves fan my entire life. Um, so you had some bad moments when the Jays played you guys in the in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people <laughs> did, right? Uh, especially Mitch Williams. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed baseball quite a bit, and he was a uh, he was an airborne infantryman in the in the hundred first airborne. My grandfather was an airborne infantryman in. Uh, the 11th Airborne. They jumped into Luzon, Philippines during World War II. So um, I guess it was just uh, something that was in my blood because that's what I went on to do after high school. I played baseball in high school and it was pretty good. But um, what, what positions did you play? I pitched and played center field mostly. I just had the center field thing. I wasn't really that fast. I just had good instincts. Uh, like I could tell based on where the pitch location was, where the ball was probably going to get hit. And I would be running before the guy made contact sometimes. So I, I was able to, it was like a Jim Edmonds type of situation, I yeah, guess. I was able yeah. to make up for my uh, my whiteness, I guess. I mean, I'm really <laughs> slow. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, yeah, it, uh, I enjoyed playing baseball quite a bit. Um, the military thing, I knew I always wanted to do it. Um, I, I for sure always wanted to do it, but I wanted to be prepared before I went in. I didn't actually join until I was 24 because I went to college twice first. Um, which which, which what'd you take in college? Well, the first one is uh, a comparative religion, which I thought, I mean, I didn't really care too much and I still don't care about religion, but uh, I do feel like it's a good way to understand how human beings think and to understand the history of the world. Um, That's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I kind of, I did that for a while and then I did, uh, I got a degree in computer networking and security and uh, still enlisted. I didn't, I didn't become an officer because I wanted to fight, you know? Um, so 24, I joined the Army, uh, tooled around a little bit. I was in the 82nd Airborne as an infantryman. Um, 
do uh, in late 2006, uh, we got deployed. We got called up on Division Ready Force and uh, deployed in like 72 hours to to in support of the surge uh, in Iraq. Uh, it was myself, a lot of guys, the two three two five uh, Airborne Infantry Regiment. Uh, Jared Taylor was our JTAC. That's how I originally met him. Actually, um, Jared, for your audience, is one of the owners of Black Rifle Coffee, um, and we've we've been friends uh, for fifteen years now because of that deployment. Yeah, but uh, we, we deployed, came back, tooled around a little bit. Um, our next deployment was going to be to train local national forces and i think in afghanistan and i was like fuck that uh i am not at all in, in any way interested in doing any of that shit so i got out uh worked in private security for a while didn't intel for the federal government until finally black rifle called me up and it was like hey you should just come work for us i'm like i don't know i don't even know what you guys do what the hell are you talking about and he was like well you're doing intelligence that's basically what marketing is i was like all right cool i'll look into that so i looked into it and he was right uh, the he being Evan Haver, the CEO. And I had a good time doing that. Yeah, it was good. And and we grew the company rapidly. Um, it ex- the company's exploded over the years. It yeah, grew very yeah. rapidly. Well, it grew so fast that at some point I was like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think I should be doing this. We should probably get somebody that knows what the fuck they're doing. Uh, like I could figure it out, but you could figure it out when the company's making 10 50 million dollars but when it's making like 150 to 300 million dollars like all right cool we gotta get some professionals in here and figure out what the hell's going on so this thing can blow up even faster um it's, so yeah, it's, kinda, it's, it's insane how quickly that company grew up and just by those numbers you're throwing around i mean that's as an entrepreneur those are those are hefty numbers yeah i mean it's uh essentially doubled in revenue every year since i first well since 2016 i think at a minimum it's doubled in revenue so yeah it's been a good couple of years uh for them and then for us, uh, once I realized we, we had the Drinking Bros uh, pretty much as a, a marketing apparatus of Black Rifle, but it had never been monetized or anything. So I'm like, well, I'll just take what I know about this and we'll turn this into a company, right? And, you know, there's uh, when, whenever you get that large, their brand safety issues come into play. People yeah. people will bitch and complain about, oh, you're fucking selling out. Like, no, I'm just trying to fucking get rich. You know what I mean? Like, if it, what's the point of all this? We we give millions and millions of dollars to veteran and uh, to Second Amendment charities and stuff like that. We are not able to do that unless we're actually making the money. You know what I mean? So, uh, 100%. 100%. And, I don't, and I never understood that, right? I mean, any type of charity, I mean, there's administrative there's so much cost to run with it and especially when you're running a business and you're still giving so much i i i would hear a lot of that stuff too just from the outsider entrepreneur watching in and i would hear that and I, would, I would always question especially when especially other vets that were complaining and bitching about it. i couldn't understand it if they were giving back towards it right so yeah yeah that's this it's crazy i don't get it do. either yeah that's that's a very bizarre position to take i mean look it's just haterade that's all it really is um people that are uh, that and it's usually not people who have tried and failed. The people who have tried and failed uh, just keep trying, for the most part. In my experience, the people who are too fucking scared to actually do anything are the ones that spend all their time on Reddit talking shit. Yeah, it's Twitter fear. It's, it's fear, edge, right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's fear run because they just they don't have the balls to do it themselves. So they exactly, just, yeah. they, they they think by bringing down other people, it's just going to just make them feel better, right? That's just yeah. I mean, you I can guess, all that in I mean, every society, right? But that doesn't make any sense. And the truly ironic no, part of course about not. it. 
the truly ironic part about it, especially when it comes to me personally and Evan Hafer, the CEO of Black Rifle personally, is we've helped so many other people start companies, sometimes even companies that are in competition with us. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, just because like, this isn't, we're not, we're not at a zero sum game here. Everybody can, and everybody can profit from this yeah. in one way or another, whether it be from starting their own business, um, or being part of one of ours or learning from ours and then starting their own or whatever, or even us helping them set it up. There's all kinds of different ways to do that. And then the community at large benefits because I mean, <clears throat> Job, jobs are all given there's jobs. so much, so much opportunity, right? Yeah. There's over 500 people working for black rifle now, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Like yeah. I, I, you know, from the outside, from the outside world looking in, I would never, and I, I know the company has grown and I seen the growth. Mm-hmm. I would never, ever imagine having 500 employees or having what you're saying number wise. It doesn't look like that from right. the outside. Cause it still looks like a mama papa run organization. It looks like it's very homegrown still. So I, I love that. I love that, that they kept the authenticity yeah. all the way through, which is very hard to do when you when you grow to that size right yeah it's i mean it's tough look and, and some people like recently there's a new york times article last week that a lot of people are bitching about and some people are starting to look down the employee roster of black rifle and be like hey you guys have democrats working for you like oh. I, by the way just just for uh context i don't work for black rifle anymore i don't even yeah, 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 yeah. they're just yeah. they're just friends of mine yeah yeah but i talk to them every single day and that that purity test nonsense. I don't give two fucks. Somebody is a Republican or a Democrat, right? You're either a good person striving towards making a country better. Or you're not, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and I, I certainly there's no chance in hell that either one of these parties has, uh, 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 you know, figured it all out, right? That's just not how life works. So I don't know what people expect. I mean, first of all, it's illegal to hire and fire based on somebody's party affiliation. That's stupid. Yeah. Like you can't even do that, but why the hell would you? And what kind of, what kind of intellectual coward only wants to be around people who think exactly like them? You know what I mean? It's, that's not the fucking world I want to live in. That's no. tribal. That's tribalism. Like we, yeah, we've, yeah, 100%. We've, got, we've got plenty of that shit right now. This doesn't make any sense to me. So that's why it looks to someone like you, who's a reasonable person from the outside, like a mom and pop organization, even though it is, very large. I mean, I think there's 530 employees right now. Yeah. And by the end of the year, I would say probably more like 700, right? So it's, it's a massive, massive company. And uh, the amount of charity work that, that they continue to do and the culture and stuff like that, people are going to, yeah, that's just, that's how it is though. They got the, they're the, um, they're the largest uh, market share in the world for direct consumer coffee sales. So, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. crazy. So amazing. Yeah, obviously it, it's like anything else. If you're number one, people are going to try to come after you. I just think it's silly and it's self-destructive. Why? If, if people spend but, as much time, but, Dan, learn, but that's every industry, that's every podcast, that's everything. There's always going to be, and you know that more than anything, there's always going to yeah. be haters, always going to be jealousy. There's always going to be, it's, it's, and, and, and nothing will ever change. This will be from the test of time, right? This is always going to mm-hmm. be like that. No matter what you do for, my father just passed away recently and, and he's my dad Sorry was always yeah and uh and it was and i was very fortunate like you said you had a you had a a tough growing up with your dad mm-hmm. and i don't know if is your dad still around uh yeah but i don't really we you don't, don't speak, get so yeah i, I was the, fine with it i was i was the 44 year old dan that would talk to my dad two three times a day i would call my dad to say goodnight every night and he just recently passed away with a sudden heart attack it was unexpected so 
it was, it was hard, but my dad would always say, it was like in this world, you have to be very, you always have to keep your eyes open for every one person doing good. There's going to be four trying to bring you down and it's right. just the way it is. Right. And you just, you hope that that would change and people would have more of an open heart and, and but it's just the way the fucking world turns. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Your podcast. When did you, okay. Drunken, um, drunken, broken podcast, but I mean, bros podcast, drinking, bros. Start, drinking bowls podcast. Yeah. So it started off with, like I said, marketing. When did it actually come to fruition to actually do your first podcast, your show? When was your first episode aired? Uh, well, my first one. So the guys started it. I was still working for the federal government. I was friends with these dudes, but um, yeah, yeah. I was still like, you can't, when you, when you work in intelligence for the federal government, you can't exactly be on a weekly show talking all kinds of crazy shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, for Especially these days. I probably would have been okay back in the day when it first started because nobody really paid attention to that shit. But now for sure, I would be fired immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I started doing shows in the middle, early to middle part of uh, 2017. And then uh, uh, later that year became a, a a permanent cast member, particularly on the sports show, because uh, Ross, my co-host now, and I go to a lot of sports events, we go to the Super Bowl, we go to everything. Um, and, you know, now we've got couple of athletes on the network chuck liddell obviously from ufc is one of them uh and we travel to a lot of these events we do actually we have a thing uh tomorrow night we're we're covering the uh the bare knuckle fighting championship tomorrow night so you know we got a lot of cool stuff going on but yeah i, I started back then and we kind of expanded it once um <clears throat> what what are the things i was doing at black rifle was buying radio and podcast advertising right for the company so I knew how the I knew how everything worked, how the agencies worked, what the pricing models looked like, and then I looked at the audience size for um, that we had built for Drinker Bros. I'm like, we, this this can make a considerable amount of money completely separate from Black Rifle. And as things started to get serious, and uh, you know, trying to appeal to a wider audience, and when I say wider audience, I don't mean like necessarily politically diverse but not everybody wants to hear weird ass locker room talk from the people yeah. they're buying their coffee from you know what i mean so there's no i mean i say what you want to about that but i think it's a reasonable thing to do so we took we took the show and they continued doing the coffee thing and it's they're complimentary but they don't intersect in any kind of business way at all right uh and now the shows make i mean it's 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 interesting to see how much money you can make uh, but it's not surprising. It's just eyeballs, right? That's all marketing's ever been. So just give me, give me, give the audience a breakdown of how many different sections you guys have. You have a sports section, your thing, how many different breakdowns, how many shows do you guys air a week, two weeks? Like just give an understanding of everything. Ooh. Um, let's see. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of layers there. You're not just a podcast. I know you say podcast, but you're, you're, you're essentially a whole media company at this point. Yeah, we have a, yeah, we have a media network. So we, um, <clears throat> we have a show called, uh, well, let's see. Drink It Bros is the flagship show. Yeah. And we and, put out. And, and just to know how I first found you is one of my, we've recorded 140 something episodes since mm -hmm. last April. And one of my first guests is just, I just reached out to and got on and we hit it off was um, uh, Ray Cash Care. And then he, oh, yeah. he talked to, he was like, oh, I'm going to be on Drunk and Bros next week. And he was telling me about it. And then that's when I started following you guys and, and checking you guys out. So it was, it was, he was the one who introduced, uh, introduced me to you guys. Yeah, I just talked to Ray uh, yesterday. Actually, he is a lunatic. Uh, that guy. 
Actually, he's got. We're gonna. We'll have him on our network at some point. We just haven't figured out all the details yet. But um, right as of right now, we have Drinking Bros is the flagship show. It goes four times a week. Then we have Drinking Bros Sports, and on sports we cover uh, whatever's in season, baseball, whatever. And then we have a gambling section as well. Um, we have a couple of degenerates that like to gamble on golf and things like that. So <laughs> it's it's really fun. Actually, he our our guy uh, uh, Delco Dan over there is actually pretty good at betting on golf, which is weird because you don't see that very frequently. No, no, I don't even hear about that. No, but I'm actually really good at betting on baseball, which a lot of people are not good at. Um, See, those those are two sports a lot. Like baseball is just, yeah, yeah. Okay, go, go. I I would never bet on, it's very tough. There's so much unpredictables, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it is and it isn't. I guess it depends on how much attention you pay because I I won my first 13 bets of the playoffs last year in baseball. Uh, and it's you know a lot of that is luck, but uh, that's what betting is, right? It's like yeah. uh, it's an educated guess, hopefully, unless you're just throwing your money away. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, um, yeah, we've got four the four sports shows. Then I have American Party with Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor recipient. We go twice a week. That show is about it's it's mostly about rejecting the the idea of binary politics, right? Like you have to be right or left. I feel like we spent so much time arguing over right and left. We've lost focus of what's right and what's wrong. I, I love you that. I, mean? I love that. No, hundred percent. And that goes everywhere. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I love that. And then Ross and his wife have a show called uh, uh, Ross Patterson revolution where they just, they talk about uh, uh, pop culture and stuff like that. It's, it's a comedy show with a husband and wife. Um, I guess kind of similar to Tom Segura and his wife. And yeah. They go twice a week. We've got two separate history shows. Um, one's called Softcore History, and they like do a deep dive into like a, a kind of a funny but informational deep dive into certain uh, uh, moments in history. I think they did a show on the, the origins of lesbianism or some some shit. Um, but they hit all over the place. And then there's uh, another history show called Blast, and they do. <clears throat> They each go once a week. They do uh, something similar, I guess. I mean, it's it's a deep dive on historical stuff, but it's more about um, like people throughout history, like Julius Caesar or somebody like that, right? They'll they'll go through that person's entire life, bookending it with context from the culture that time and stuff. That's really interesting. Then obviously, we have icebreakers with Chuck Liddell and comedian Adam Ray. Um, man, I know I'm missing something. So that's if I'm counting that right, that's seven right there. So what's a long term play here? Is this a, like a network you guys are trying to build? Is that your long term play? Uh, yeah, we've actually we're bringing a, a new show on uh, here in the next week or two called uh, Pardon My American. They're they're more conservative guys from uh, Portland. They do a conservative show, but they're really funny and they're this detailed analysis of like news based pop culture, whatever's in the news that day. They just talk about it. It's super funny. But yeah, that's the goal is to get. Um, we want to make it kind of a big tent. I don't. I don't like the idea of. Let me be frank about this. If we just went as far right or far left as possible, we would make ten times more money than what we make right now, because yeah, that's 100%. that's what sells. Yeah. It's clickbait yeah. bullshit, and I'm not yeah. really interested in doing that. I don't. It's for me. It's not about the money. You can make money doing anything. I can start a business and make money. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it is. Um, I think it's irresponsible 
that I, a lot I, of just, people... I just love the variety you're offering, right? You're, you're going from history to sports to right. comedian to husband and wife. There's so much variety there, right? For the listener. So you're and, and the way you guys are growing with that, which I had no fucking clue at all what you guys are doing like that. I, I thought you guys are just like two really popular pockets. I had no idea this networking and 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 essentially like everything you guys are building there. Um, there's so much growth there, there's so much potential. Like literally when I talk about a network, I'm looking at like, okay, like what, what's your end goal? Is it Oprah network? Like is it a network where just you have a shitload of shows under your under your belt kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. That's part of it. I mean, <clears throat> I think the the, you're talking about a logistics goal versus, and and I and I would frame it as more of a of a, I don't know, a cultural goal. Maybe um, I'm I'm trying to create a media company where people can come say whatever the fuck they want and not get, not get not get canceled it. for it. Like I don't, it's I don't have to agree with you for you, for you to have the right to exist in the public discourse, that that's a, that's an asinine expectation from anybody. It's also the foundation of authoritarianism and fascism. I'm not into that. Yeah. When in human history has the side intent on silencing the other side and removing words from language and telling people what they can and can't say ever been right. That's never been the case. Not once in human history, right? So it's not about right versus left. It's about the ability to do what's right and have what, what I call a, a high volume meritocracy, which is uh, a, mer- a true meritocracy where the best idea wins and then put as much data through that bitch as possible, right? And find out what the actual solution is. And that's, what the, that's why we started the American Party, because that's what, that's what the shit is all about, right? That's the whole purpose of all of this. So you're actually on, if I got this right, three of the episodes, three of the shows? four um uh three but i do guest spots on some of the other ones so, so how many yeah, times so how many times like okay do so you guys have, is everything done in the individual studios is it all done in one studio like how does this all work logistically uh most stuff is done out of our studio here in austin we have seven different sets there uh the the part of my american guys have their own stuff in and oregon obviously right now but <clears throat> i think they might be looking to move down here but probably the DFW area, Dallas, not not here, but yeah, they, we have a couple of offsite, but the vast majority of our content gets created in our studio here in Austin. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. and it's it's a good. Uh, we got a good setup there, and I do. Let's see, four, six. I probably do like ten or twelve shows a week, something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I would say on average it's probably probably ten shows, and the shows are about ninety minutes each. Um, so it's, it's a lot. And then, you know, for what people don't understand is for every hour you spend on camera, there's two or three hours behind the scenes where you're actually, you know, yeah. researching and all this other shit. Plus we're running the company. You know, we, we finally started to hire people. We're in the process of hiring a CFO. Now we've got our production team pretty much put together. I think we're going to hire uh, some, some marketing folks next uh, to, to, start to expand our audience and, and, you know, uh, uh, get more hits on merchandise and stuff like this, like this. Yeah. I was going right to say like, the merchandise is, is something to jump all over. I love right. it. Well, I mean, for me, it's less, uh, we don't really care if we make money off the merch. It's just uh, a, a billboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I want people who see all this madness about the funding police to realize that politicians are all a bunch of shit bags. Right. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love and, it. They're the people that need to go away, not not first responders. 
So no, no, I'm a thousand million percent behind you. I mean, my closest, my two closest buddies, my, like I actually took police sciences in college and I could, I never finished it, but my two closest buddies, my best man at my wedding is a detective. Like I, so I, I see I, I'm around police officers all the time. And it's like, it's hard to see that these guys don't even want to work on the fucking road. They'd rather be behind a desk now than be on the road because they're fucking the shit they have to deal with all the time. Right. Yeah. It's nonsense. And you're seeing mass exoduses from departments in big cities here in, in the U S right now. And it's a big problem. Right. I mean, uh, crime is up like hundreds of percents all over the place. It's, it's, it's a silly do, proposition. Do you, do you see any change in that? Um, you know, you're starting to, um, <clears throat> and what, district, what, what has to happen to change? I know you're going to say the district attorney go. Yeah. The district attorney of LA, uh, Gascon, he is an idiot by the way. Yeah. Um, has done all this stupid shit. And now I think something like one, one of the stupid things they've done is if you can't afford, if you can, if you can even somewhat demonstrate that you can't afford bail, you don't get arrested for anything anymore. Right. So burglary, if it's under a thousand bucks, burglary is a felony, by the way, burglary is yeah. not robbery. It's it's so burglary is where you go through uh, uh, an enclosure, right? Yeah. You bust out the window of their house yeah, or yeah, the yeah, car yeah. or something. Yeah. Then you steal shit. As long as the theft is under a thousand bucks, you don't get. And you guys have had that law in Canada for a while, actually. Theft under a thousand. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It never it never works. And now yeah. all these, there and, and that's been. This has been like this for a while. Because I mean, I have buddies that do uh, used to do the before they became officers. They were doing the whole law uh, the loss prevention. And you catch oh, yeah. anybody, the cops are just slapping hand. Okay, here's a little. Yeah. Have a nice day, and that's it. Anything yeah. under a thousand, right? Now something like uh, I don't know how many it was total, um, but seventeen cities in LA County have taken votes of no confidence in this guy, right? And they're going to start to they're going to try to initiate a recall. Obviously, the governor of California is facing a recall right now. So people are, I think Standing that's the solution. Up. Like a well a well informed population is the solution to everything. It always is. Yeah. Um, but people have to want to be well informed, and there has to be an apparatus by which they can be well informed, and that's kind of where independent media comes in, right? Okay, I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because the media is, I mean, we're going through in Canada here, Dan, and I don't know if you know how it is, but I mean, we're not even a hundred percent out of lockdown yet. We're, we're just in yeah. stage three. Like we were having in Ontario, which is massive province, like a state to you guys and we're Toronto Canada's and everything. And where we live, I mean, we, as of like three weeks ago, we were on still full lockdown with like a thousand cases of, 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 of a day. And we're on lockdown with, I mean, it was insane what they were doing here. Insane. We had, as an entrepreneur, 13,000 mama papa restaurants have all locked their doors in the last 14, 15 months, which is right. fucking crazy. I mean, that is crazy, but I would say, I don't, I don't know about restaurants specifically, but about uh, 600,000 businesses in the US have closed permanently. Yeah. A, lot, a lot more have been closed over the last year and a half or so, but at least half a million have been closed permanently now. And yeah. here's the problem here, the, the downstream effect of that, people will say, uh, they'll make arguments about X, Y, and Z. Well, we had to protect ourselves, whatever the fuck, right? That's obviously nonsense. Yeah. But <clears throat> the the real problem is this: there are certain companies that have the ability to spend their way out of this kind of situation. Amazon is one of them, obviously. I mean, yeah. Bezos got taken to the cleaners for seventy billion dollars, and he's now where he's he's back to being the richest man on earth again within a year and a half right yeah yeah just and, from and, the money and, he's made and and i would say i would say covid had a huge part of that 
everybody being home, fucking what was people where was everybody ordering? Amazon, 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 right? Yeah, for sure. So um <clears throat> what happens is, and this is we're gonna see more of this, by the way. This isn't over yet. Um yeah. what happens is the small mom and pop owned businesses aren't able to stay in business. So more of their business and their employees get gobbled up by these conglomerates and these, these large corporations. <clears throat> now I don't have a problem with large corporations in general, but there does have to be a balance between big and small. I mean, if you're a student of history, you would understand that just from the way that the United States wrote its constitution, the ninth and 10th amendments were specifically written to give power back to the people and then to the states, right? That wasn't explicitly enumerated in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. They, they made it a very clear point to say, anything not covered here goes back to you guys. <clears throat> and it's called upward control in, uh, in, 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 in classical liberalism. Upward control means you control things. The power is rooted at the lowest possible level for every single decision because that's where people are affected most by that decision. Yeah, 100%. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. upward control has to be a principle of all this stuff. And when you take power out of the hands of people and and now they're forced to work for companies like Amazon who doesn't give them back bathroom breaks and shit, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. That's what happens when you have uh, mass corporatism. As a matter of fact, one of the better sci-fi TV series that I've seen in the last 10 years is called, it was shot in Canada actually, it's called Continuum. And it's about this. It's about runaway corporatism. Like the, there was something called the corporate Congress at that point, because corporations were so large and powerful that they started setting the laws. Yeah. And I got to be honest, the way that Facebook and Google and a variety of these other companies are controlling information and commerce right now, it doesn't seem like it's that, it, that far we, apart. We, we, we yeah. watch these things like there's some kind of mythical dystopian nightmare. But in reality, it's just a slow creep of corporatism, the same way we see slow creeps of, of socialism, right? Yeah. Like you have yeah. assholes on both sides of this aisle yeah. and all they're trying to do is get richer and more powerful. And that's why upper control is so important. People at the bottom, right? Controlling no. as much as possible. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's just, it's a domino effect too, right? I mean, people just look at a small business, but that small business now they're affecting like, I'll give you example, like we do with 1800 gyms, 500 in Ontario alone weren't ordering off us. So now that affects us So what happens, I buy raw material that affects the raw material guy, affects our factories. It's just, it's just chain ball effect, right? Just mm -hmm. domino effect that how many people it is affecting all this shit. Right. So yeah. Insane buddy. Insane. Yeah. It's wild. And it's, <clears throat> it's a runaway effect. I mean, look, we know, uh, when when commerce gets when commerce gets isolated into small pockets of very rich and powerful people, uh, uh, and then you have uh, in a parallel environment politics where it takes two to six million dollars for a, a congressperson to get elected, right? It's, yeah, it's crazy. Then how how do you not expect that that's what's going to happen? People that need money are going to talk to people that have money, and the people that have money now are able to control votes in Congress, man. It's an, it's an untenable situation and it only leads in one direction. And it's not a direction that I think these people are either aware of or prepared for, which is there's going to be some kind of conflict at some point, right? Yeah. And uh, hopefully it just stays civil. That's, that's my hope. Do you see that in the very near future? It's trending there, right? It's hard to say, man. Um, 
there's so many people that are completely brainwashed right now. Uh, more so, I mean, I feel like I'm living in the dark ages. Is that because of mainstream media? Everybody's just glued to their fucking TV, especially the last 14 months being home? Certainly that's part of it. I also think that there's an element of fear involved where people don't. So <clears throat> every single one of us at some point in our lives, and this is embarrassing to admit, but every single one of us has watched somebody fall or drop something or trip and we could have helped them and we ignored it because we didn't want the responsibility of having to help them. Right. Every single one of us has done that. Now, a lot of people, myself included, train ourselves to like react quickly and help other people. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But that's something you train yourself to do. I think human instinct is to mind your own business for the most part. And I think the I think the psychological aspect of that is that whenever and it's 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 almost the inverse of the IKEA effect. The IKEA effect says in commerce, if you give somebody a product that's 80% complete and then they put the, the they do the other 20%, they're more invested in the value of that product and more likely to buy it. And it's that's a real psychological phenomenon, right? Yeah, it's called yeah. the IKEA effect. It's real. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think the inverse of that is I've never I've never heard that before, but it's totally like, yeah, fucking totally makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh and the inverse of that is um uh, the bystander effect, right? The more people who are around, the less likely anybody is to help. And I think we're all sitting here staring at this really fucked up situation and not a whole lot of people. Like, if you say out loud what's wrong, then you're taking some responsibility for fixing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't think yeah. people want to do that. So it's easier to be an ostrich to bury your head in the sand right now. Well, I'm telling you, that shit's coming, whether you see it coming or not. And you damn sure better be ready to fight it off. Fuck, I, I, I love everything you're doing, buddy. I mean, you're you're on the fucking ball with everything, like everything. And and the more you are able to spread your word and get in front of many people as possible, I mean, you're you're obviously a light in the end of the tunnel that hopefully get people to realize what the fuck is happening. So I, I love everything you're doing, brother. Um, I hope so. I mean, look, we try to go on as many shows as possible. And do as much stuff as pie and talk to as many influential business people. I mean, we had, um, <clears throat> you just have a show. way, you just have a way, you know, one thing, sorry about that, Dan, no, go ahead. one thing about you is, is, and I love that is, um, I've listened to a couple of your shows and stuff like that. Obviously there's some are controversial, some are upfront. Some people are going to question, but there is an educational side of everything you say, everything you say, there's a thought process. There's a, there's a, a calmness to the way you speak and the way you talk about stuff that you're making it very this is way it's very understandable. Like I'm here listening to you. And as a Canadian coming across the board, looking at you and, and, and listen to everything you're saying, I'm just like, this guy's fucking knows it. Like he's on the ball with this shit. So I appreciate that. And I think a lot more people need to hear that. And I think that's so important for you to get mm -hmm. on as much shows as possible. The, the bigger variety, like our audiences, like we do well with our podcasts. We get a shitload of downloads, but it's, it's, it's very Canadian based. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's great to have somebody like yourself on here just to, just to add some, some realistic mindset to all this, right? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's good to hear from different people. And, and to your point about, look, you don't want to sound too professorial because it seems like you're looking down your nose at people and, and yeah. judging like it's in America, we have this phrase, uh, uh, rules for, for thee, but not for me. Right. It's kind of how Congress, for example, doesn't have to use the same healthcare system we do or the same retirement systems. We yeah. do. They have their own stuff. Right. Yeah. So the idea like this, this country was founded specifically to avoid aristocracy 
and aristocracy happened pretty much immediately yeah. uh, a lot of uh, a lot of quote unquote patriots don't want to admit that but our country has been fucked up for a long time but i think that uh <clears throat> i think the benefit of just talking out loud about why you think what you think is the equivalent of showing your work on a math problem so the professor can come over and see like oh here's where you fucked up right yeah and then you can correct yourself and i think in this case the professor is the public discourse is provided it's honest and there's all the information out there uh then you should be able to track your thoughts back like i think this this and this and here's why and then somebody's like well on point a this piece of data is actually wrong and maybe that affects point c or doesn't right but if it might affect point d or yeah. e or so on and if you don't have all the information you can't make an educated decision so no, yeah that goes with everything right yeah that's why i don't want to be in a vacuum of people who only think like me yeah, yeah i love it that. just doesn't doesn't make sense have you have you written a book yet i'm working on a few right now yeah okay one of them okay. is uh excuse me one of them is for one of the shows the american party and it's basically just um it's kind of a list of princes so the the premise of at least for, from my perspective dakota could probably speak more from his although i think he's aligned with me on this that the principle of the american party is principles over people like i'm not gonna get involved in Trump versus Biden. Cause I don't give a shit about either one of those guys. What I care about is what's right and what's wrong and what's working and what isn't working. Isn't working. That's what yeah. I care about. So, I mean, it reminds me of the old Ford Chevy debates. Like what, one of them is better for something. And one of them is better for something that is an objective empirical fact. Yeah. And we can find that out if we just divorce ourselves from the romantic idea that one of them is better than the other intrinsically. Cause that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the book I'm writing right now, the American party goes over the principles that I think are the most important principles, uh, that we could draw from the founders of the country, the constitution from, uh, you know, from John Locke, from all these people that have written about Republicanism and classical liberalism and all this stuff over the years. Um, and, you know, the, the interesting part about being able to do it this way and having the show is I can get feedback so I can put this stuff out into the universe yeah. and my, yeah, I love that. My listeners can, can come back at me and look, we have a very diverse group of listeners. We have truck drivers and people in the military. We have uh, physicists, Dr. Brian Keating is a great friend of mine. He's been listening to the show forever that can, they'll call me directly or DM me or whatever and see like, Hey, what you said makes sense or here's why i think what you said almost made sense or what you said made no sense right and it's good to get that feedback <clears throat> that's that's how you grow right being challenged that's right. the only way we grow so i love that yeah i like that uh all these uh all these fucking tough guy patriot people they're always <laughs> always on these purity tests and all this stuff talking about iron sharpens iron dude sitting around in a room just talking shit with people who think exactly like you, that's not iron. That's not sharpening anything. You're just, you're just being a, being an <laughs> asshole, to be honest. I love it. I love but yeah, it. I'm super excited about this book. When, when do you plan to, what's your goal to get it out by? Um, I'd like to have it, uh, the principal done and start doing edits and stuff uh, by October. Um, yeah, and that's your, this you said, this is your first time writing a book? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I did. I started last year. I did, I did a book back there. It's called Entrepreneurial Dad. 
and yeah. uh, it became number one in 11 categories amazon and that was just the same thing pen to paper and i just went at it and i'm actually writing um i'm in the process right now writing a uh, a six series uh children's book um um in memory of my dad and all the money will go to charity to sick kids hospital which my son has been very heavily involved with sick kids hospital and it's called uh, grandpa joe's uh, grandpa joe's adventures and they're just lessons. The first one's called Strawberry Hill, a lesson on gratitude. And there's six lessons for uh, for children. So I'm doing that for charity too now. But it's just awesome. fun. It just it just takes your creative side and lets you put it on paper. And 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 I love how you're getting the feedback through it all because that's that's a huge aspect of it too, right? So I love that. One last question for you, brother. Mm-hmm. If something if something were to happen to you today, in a couple of words, how would you want to be remembered, described by your loved ones or your closest friends? Um, how I would want to be remembered. Living um, eulogy. You know, to be honest, that's kind of one of the premises of the book. So one of the principles in the American party is, uh, says I'll, I'll, I will live a a life worth dying for. Right. Because that's the expectation in a free society. Every, I I've, I was talking to some people about this the other day, uh, about the whole hard times make hard men, hard men make soft times, soft times make soft men, et cetera. Right. I've yet to find any kind of way to communicate sacrifice and the effects of it to people who haven't actually done it themselves. Um, You'll, you'll find the rare bird who's able to contextualize and appreciate that stuff in a real way without having experienced it. But I would say that's pretty rare. So one of the things I talk about is uh, service to other people, right? So if indeed there is a, if there's a life, and an appreciation to be known only on the other side of sacrifice. I think sacrifice has to be intrinsically linked to our parenting and education in this country. Um, so my idea is something like starting in fifth grade uh, uh, to pass each grade, you have to do some kind of civil service each year, like volunteer in a, in a, in a fucking retirement home or pick up garbage on the side of the highway or go into a neighborhood that doesn't look like yours. Yeah. Right. And help people that need help, stuff like that. See what real abject poverty looks like before you start running around talking about how you're living in a fascist country. You know what I mean? Things like that. That's what I want to be known for. I want to be known as a person who, who, uh, positive you know, change, positive change. Yeah. People, someone who challenged other people and, and also made sure that I personally met that challenge as well. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we have, we have a lot of problems uh, in this country. We have a heavy burden to lift, but we're also stronger together. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, I, it's, we're playing tug of war with each other instead of against actual issues. Like our, the enemy shouldn't be the right or the left. The enemy should be poverty. Right. I love that. I love like that. war to me is the enemy. Not, yeah. Like not Iraq, not Afghanistan. War itself is the enemy. That's what we should be fighting against. And uh, that's not to say I'm a pacifist. There's a, there's a piece that's only known on the other side of war, right? We know that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just think that, uh, well, one of the other principles that, that I really like is, uh, I will not allow those less fortunate or incapable of defending themselves to be harmed or taken advantage of in my country. And the, the brief version of that is patriots say we, not me. Right. Yeah. Like if you really love your country yeah. then you love, Everybody. Then you take you take care of it, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter where someone came from or what language they speak or what their parents did or any of that shit. Yeah. 
right? It just doesn't make any sense. So I want to unite people under, not, not under some bullshit. You know what I mean? Not under like, oh, fucking some, 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 some uh, catchy quip or some, you know, political jargon nonsense. I want to unite people under rational thought. Like, hey, we're all fucked here if we don't work together. Yeah. So, you know, get your shit together and, and make it happen. I appreciate that, man. This has been uh, this has been a pleasure, man. This has been, uh, man. I I I I I respect you at a different level right now, man. I love everything you're saying. I love how you put so much thought into everything you say. So, um, man, keep killing it, man. I appreciate you. Where could our audience get a hold of you? Where could I go and um, check out your podcast and all the stuff like that? Right. Well, you can find any of our shows on uh, on YouTube. On it's Drinker Bros Podcast on YouTube. Um, we also have, oh God, how did I forget that one? We got a new show with Mike, the cop and Eric Tanzi, uh, two former police officers called failure to stop. And they talk about whatever issues are going on in policing at the time. They're both retired cops. So they can say whatever the hell they want and bound by their departments anymore. Um, <clears throat> but that's on Mike, the cops, YouTube channel, but all the other ones you can find on Drinker bros, YouTube channel. You can find all of our podcasts anywhere. You can find podcasts, wherever, uh, Apple or or Spotify or anywhere like that. And then uh, obviously Instagram, Drink It Bros Podcast, uh, American Party Podcast. My name is Dan Holloway. This is awesome, brother. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap for today. I want to thank our guest, Dan, for being such an incredible guest today. Such an incredible conversation. If you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I have, like all weeks, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word. We love listening to and reading your reviews. So leave us five stars. That would be absolutely amazing. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward. Mm -hmm.